Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to the book of John. Book of John, Sister Sharon. Amen. John chapter 8. We are in a series called, what is it called? Anybody know? The gospel. That's right. The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom of God. And we've talked so far about the gospel and what the gospel really is. Amen. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is what we saw this morning. The gospel is uh, that uh, testimony that Brother Kalen gave this morning. That's the gospel. The gospel is, uh, you know, are these kids this morning getting up before us, amen, and sharing. This is the gospel in action. But the gospel is not a set of laws or, or, or you know, a set of, uh, you know, principles. The gospel is a person, amen, the person of Jesus Christ. We sang about him this morning. We lift you up, Jesus, Jesus. Every praise from our mouth is for Jesus, amen. And so the gospel is about the Lord Jesus. It's about him. Everything else is secondary. Amen. The law, all of that stuff is secondary. It's about Jesus. Amen. So John chapter 8, this is a story probably I've, I've said before that my favorite book, I know we're not supposed to probably have a favorite book or favorite scripture, you know, but just the book of John is just my, I love reading the book of John. It's just my favorite book because of how Jesus, um, you know, is revealed in this book, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just a wonderful book. It touches us in, in every part of our life, amen. And uh, this story is a story that a lot of you know. Uh, this is a story about the woman caught in adultery. Amen. And, and Jesus' reaction to that. We want to talk about what the gospel is. Let's see it here in action. Amen. Ver, chapter 8, looking and starting right at verse 1, the Bible says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down, wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
You know, I've, I've been to a lot of different church services, probably like a lot of you. And I, but I, I grew up in church. You know, I've, I've said this before. I was born and probably my third or fourth week on the earth, I started going to church and my family's had me in church, you know, ever since, uh, like some of you, uh, the Christo family, right? And so, um, you know, church has just been a part of my life the whole time. And, and so like some of you, I, I've just, I've seen, I've, feel like I've seen it all. I do. And I know that's not true because God is endless, Sister Jean. I mean, uh, we, he's just unsearchable. So there's so much more, you know, it's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, right? But I just feel like I've seen so many things. I've been in uh, different services. I've been uh, to apostol- apostolic church. You know, I've been to Baptist church. I've been to Presbyterian church. You know what that's all about. I've been to Catholic church. I've been to Methodist church and services, African Methodist, Episcopal. I've been to Church of God in Christ. They call it Kojic. I've been to just plain old Church of God. Uh, I've been to Church of Christ. Come on, with no instruments. Been there too. Uh, you know, been to Vineyard Church. Uh, you know, been there. And then also uh, Assemblies of God. Whatever denomination you want to name, I feel like I've probably been there. If they proclaim the name of Jesus. I've never been to Universal Unitarian or anything like that. Nor have any desire to go to them because, uh, you know, I don't want to worship trees and that type of thing. But praise God, if that's what they want to do, maybe God will reveal some things to them at some point. Uh, but... You know, I've been to all those type of things, and so I've heard all kind of music. I've heard, uh, you know, black gospel, you know, grew up with some black gospel. Come on, glory, glory, hallelujah. You know, since I laid my burdens down, you know, I've, uh, I've uh, been in ch- services with Chris Tomlin, Third Day, Hill Songs, you know, what do you want to name? Everybody, either. I remember one time I was in Mississippi, and, uh, you know, heard some, some southern, su- I mean, you talk about southern gospel, this was some Southern gospel. We were in a service. I don't know what uh, kind of a church this was. If it was apost- I think it was a mix between apostolic, Pentecostal, and just plain old Holy Ghost. You know, they were just and uh, you know we went there one night and uh, just a sort of fellowship. And uh, you know their service. They didn't have any uh, order of service for the night service anyway. The one I went to. You know, you just came and they said, "Oh, here's some other brothers here." You know, and they found out. You know, I was a preacher, so they said, "Well, come on up." And you know, I just got up and ow, you know, just. Started preaching and everybody went crazy and we just had a good time. You know, it was no order of service. So, and I've been to, uh, you know, Catholic service where, I mean, you talk about order. There's definitely an order. You kneel at this time, you get up, then you kneel again and you get back up and you speak in Latin and you do a Gregorian chant and, you know, the whole thing. And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, uh, Dorothy and Ciro. And so I've just, I've seen it all. And with, with all of those things, I've heard so many different ways that you're supposed to get saved. No, this is the truth. I've, I've heard, you know, I've seen, you know, well, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. If you're not baptized in water, you're not saved. Or you just need to be sprinkled, that's all. Or you need to, you know, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost right at the time when you confess and otherwise you're not saved and you got to do it again. Or you can just uh, think in your mind about the Lord and you're saved. And I've heard so many different ways and so many different things that came to a point where I was so confused, I didn't know how to get saved. I wanted to love the Lord but I was like, now how am I supposed to love the Lord and be saved? I don't know all, you know all these different ways. You know, I can't do all this stuff. I mean, somebody tell me something one way or the other. And why is there so much of a split? I mean, if it's the same God, one God, one spirit, how can we interpret it so many different ways to be saved? What is it? Do we have to do all these things? 
Well, uh, to help me and to help you this morning, there may be just one person this morning who may be confused like I was about salvation. So I just want to give you three quick passages of Scripture. And you can put these up, uh, Lauren. Three quick passages of Scripture, ones that you know, but uh, I, I don't know if you, uh, you know, want to do some other things to get saved, but you don't have to. <laughs> All you need to do is follow what God tells you to do. Amen. And so Romans 10, 9 and 10, you guys know this Scripture very well that Jesus was talking to them said the word is in your mouth the word is very near you it's not far away he said but he said that if you confess with your mouth not Buddha not Dalai Lama not a higher being but the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved that's a promise I don't know how else you can look at it you will be saved. says it right there. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. He even describes and explains to you why this is true. Because with the heart you believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right? But we know we don't just want to pick one scripture out and make our whole theology on one scripture. So let's look at what Peter had to say. Now, Peter just got filled with the Holy Ghost. So if anyone knows how you need to be saved, I would think it would be Peter at this time. He was speaking in Acts 2. Come on now, because he sat up in the room for about 10 days with some other brothers and sisters. And he was waiting on the promise of the Holy Ghost. And it came down like fire, cloven tongues. Come on now filled with the Spirit, and he came out preaching. 3,000 people were added to the church. I would think he would know how you need to get saved. Acts 2.38, come on, what does it say? Starting at 37, therefore, let all the house of Israel know. Come on, let everybody know in the house of Israel. Now, when they heard this, they were cut. Oh, you're going back to 36. Let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, like we were saying, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. He's telling them who you crucified. Come on now. Both Lord and Christ. Come on, next verse. What's 37 say? Now, when they heard this, and this ought to happen to us, saints, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, how can we be saved? Here's the question. How can we do it? Peter answered very plainly and said to them, guess what? Repent. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off as many how many as many who would call on the Lord our God anyone that would call now we're going to get into this just a little bit today but anyone who would call on the Lord can be saved call on his name repent let every one of you every one of you be baptized come on and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then we have the mother of all salvation scriptures. Come on, you know it even if you're not saved because you've seen it at the football game on TV somewhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that a few people that believe in him, that only those who follow the law believe in him. Come on, whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I don't know about you, but it's pretty plain to me what I need to do to be saved. If you couple those scriptures together, I just need to believe in the Lord Jesus in my heart. I need to confess him with my mouth. I need to repent of my sins. Whether you believed you sinned or not, the book of Romans says that all have sinned, come on, and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how good you look. I don't care how righteous you think you've been. You have sinned and you've fallen short of his glory. And so you simply need to repent of that sin. Come on now. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And then he says, every one of you be baptized. Now, I'm not going to teach a, do a lesson on baptism this morning, but it comes from a Greek word, baptismo, that means to be buried. Come on now, to be buried, not sprinkled. To be buried with him in baptism, says, and you come up, right, resurrected, and you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, you want to know what the gospel is? The gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus Christ welcoming you, come on, just as you are, by grace alone, through faith alone, the belief in Christ. A threefold cord is not easily broken. You ever heard that? It's not just for marriage. <laughs> come on. That's grace, faith, and your grace, and your grace comes from God, and your faith has to be in Christ. Threefold cord is not easily broken. Come on, that's what the gospel is. Remaking you and setting you on a path to an unimaginably great future. He said, your enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you, you might have life and have it more abundantly. And guess what? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. You can't imagine the life that you will have if you would simply give it to Christ. Come on, if you would simply turn it over to him, you cannot imagine the life that God will give you in return. He knows better. He created you. Come on, if anyone knows life, it's God. Breathe the breath of life in you. What I want to talk about for a brief period this morning is who is the gospel for? We know this gospel now, but who is it for? The gospel is for everyone. Oh, yeah, well, we know that, Brother Mike. I know the gospel's for everybody. I mean, you know, why are you telling us that? Well, let's think about some things here. Let's get into it. Let's think about some things. First of all, the gospel is the persistent God. He never gives up on us. Always loving us, always holding his arms open, saying, welcome home. Me and the brothers, we were uh, away this weekend, and, you know, one of the things the Lord put on my heart, uh, Pastor Brent, down with Pastor Brent Landers, uh, and, you know, to, uh, put on my heart to speak about was about the prodigal son, amen, and his, his dad, I was just amazed at how the father was out there every day just waiting. You know, and in that, in that story of the prodigal son, uh, it talked about how, uh, you know, in those days, it was a disgrace for old people to run. You know, old people didn't run in those days. That was actually a disgrace. If an old person needed something quick, a young person better get up and go get it. Come on. Right? Come on now. Imagine if we had that today. Come on now. Let's show some respect. <laughs> Come on now, because you, guess what? You're going to be old one day, Brother Matthews. Come on now. That's right. That's right. Jesus told Peter, said, yeah, you're a young man now. 
didn't he? He said, you can do what you want to do. You go where you want, but guess what? It's going to come a day. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody else is going to be leading you around. And so it was a disgrace for old people to run. But guess what that father did? When he saw his son afar off, afar, he recognized him too. It didn't take much. He knew who he was way down the street there, way over there on the bypass. I can recognize. That's his head. I know my son. I know exactly what he looks like. And the Bible says he ran to his son. He risked disgrace to run to his son. Sounds like somebody else, doesn't it? The Lord risked disgrace to come from heaven in glory, wrap himself in this dirty, nasty flesh. Come on, y'all. The creator of everything submitted himself to his own creation in order to redeem you and buy you back. This is the guy we're talking about. That's my champion. Come on. But he just didn't do it for a few. The gospel, folks, is for everyone. The gospel is for people of all races, all ethnicities. Come on. Both young and old. From all backgrounds of life, one and all, everyone, each one, come on, all sorts of people, even the most despicable people, the gospel is for them. No one is left out without exception. Why? Because everyone needs a savior. Everyone needs hope. Everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs love. Everyone needs a second chance and a future and a third chance and a fourth chance, 26th chance, 57th chance. Come on now. I know I'm talking to somebody. If there's no one else, I'm talking to me. Come on. But guess what? You only get a second chance. You only get a second chance. Now, some say, well, well you were going so good, Brother Mike. Now I got to see what you're talking about. Well, here's what I'm talking about, because when God, when you, at, when you repent and ask for forgiveness, God wipes that thing away. Now you're new and clean. You start over, right? So now all you need is a second chance again. He threw that thing into the sea of forgetfulness. Come on now, forgave you and threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he sees you through the blood of Christ. Come on, you are redeemed. Everyone needs a savior. So then how do we react to this thing? Saints? What did Brother Brent say? Highfalutin? Come on. Now that we're on the other side of it, how do we react to this thing? Well, listen to these words in 1 Peter 3.9. Now, this is out of the New Century Version, but it says this. Do not do wrong to repay a wrong. Do not insult to repay an insult. But here's the key. Repay with a blessing. This is Bible. I'm not telling you something. To, I'm not telling you the way I do it. I'm telling you the way God has convicted me to do it. Come on. Repay with a blessing because why? You yourself were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. So now the gospel is for everyone. Oh yeah, God loves everybody. Oh, now you shouldn't have said that to me now. We got a problem. How are you going to repay? What did God just say through Peter? Repay with a blessing. Someone does you wrong, repay with a blessing. All right, getting a little quieter now. We're really getting into it, isn't it? Yeah, he says repay with a blessing. Jesus said treat others the way that you want to be treated. Oh, such a cliche. 
So easy to say. So easy to say, yeah, that's what I do. But do we really? I mean, what I found myself doing is treating others the way they treat me. Not treating them the way I want to be treated. But Jesus said, treat them no matter how they treat you. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Come on now. Now that cuts deep sometimes, doesn't it? Think about that in your relationships with your boss at work or that coworker that gets on your nerves or that family member. Come on, that is always asking for money, whatever it is, always getting on your nerves or that spouse. Come on now. But no, you treat others the way that you want to be treated. Listen to Acts 17, 27 to 28. It says this, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And also, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Another version puts it like this. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. Come on, he's not far from us. God's not hiding from you. He's not remote, but he's very near. We live and move in him. Guess what? We can't get away from him. He's omnipresent. One of your poets said it well. We are the God created. Nowhere you can go that God is not. Come on. He's there everywhere. E. Stanley Jones said this. Salvation is in Christ and not in the systems built around him. But so often we look at the systems built around Christ. Come on, as I said, I've seen it. I've been to apostolic. I've been to Baptist. I'm, I'm leaving nobody out. Everybody's, you know, everybody's fair game. All of them. Non-denominational, what some people say is a denomination in itself. I don't know. But come on. All of us have some kind of rules or some kind of things that we have to do in order to be saved. But Jesus said, no, no, no. What you need to do is look at me. Now, that doesn't discount the, 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 the rules and the law. But what it is, if you come to Jesus, he'll give you the power in order to keep all of those things. Come on. So if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail every single time. Every time. Not once or twice. You're not going to get half. Oh, I did about half. No. You will fail every single time without God. This is why Jesus said, come see me. That's why when Lazarus died and he, and, and Jesus went there and they, the, the, the women were crying. Oh Lord, if you would have been here, we heard it this weekend. Oh, if you would have just been here, you know, and then Mary said, yeah, yeah, we know he'll resurrect on that day. He said, woman, don't you know, I am the, the resurrection is here. It's not a day. I am the resurrection. Come on, you're looking at him. Don't look around anywhere else. But it's in me. I'm the resurrection. I am your life. I am your deliverance. I am your healing. Come on. I'm your salvation. I'm everything. He said before Moses was, I am. I am all those things. So don't look to systems and rules and laws. He's saying, look to me. Come to me, all ye who are burdened and heavy laden. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have to have the right perspective on this thing, saints. Have to have the right perspective on the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. It said, whosoever, come on, calls on the name of the Lord. Whosoever, Osama bin Laden, 
Is he whosoever? Come on, I know in my flesh, based on what I saw happen some 13 years ago, I wish my flesh wish he wouldn't call on the name of the Lord. Come on. But should he, who are we to say, you can't get in because of what you did? Come on now. What about Ted Bundy? Is he whosoever? Unabomber, Adolf Hitler. Come on, killed six million Jews. Six million in a bad way, too. So bad, I don't even want to think about it and talk about it. But he's a whosoever. What about a pedophile in your neighborhood? That's despicable, isn't it? But should he call on the name of the Lord? God's blood is so powerful. Come on. And it will never lose its power. It's strong enough to save even a pedophile. Come on, say, do we have the right perspective on this thing? Do we have the right perspective? Now, I'm not excusing any actions that anyone does. But what I'm saying is we have to have the right perspective that the gospel is for everyone. And it should be our main point. It should be the main thing. It should be the very reason why we live and move and have our being. Come on. Everyone is important to God. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the world that he gave his only begotten son. The gospel and everyone should be important to true believers. Come on, how many true believers we have this morning? If you're a true believer, then everyone should be important to you. Do you realize there is not one person that you lay your eyes on? I don't care who they are, how despicable, or what acts they've done, or what, you know, what part of life, what part of, what walk of life they come from, or how they're even living right now. But there is no one that you lay your eyes on that is not important to God, that He doesn't want to save. He wants to save them. He wants to bring them home. Who do you think is going to fill the seats that we talk about every week? Boy, we got seats for those that need to be filled. I don't want people just from other churches. Stay at your church. If that's where you're supposed to be, you stay at that church. And you follow that pastor and that leadership. And you get plugged in to that church. But there's plenty of people out there who are dying every day. Far away from the Lord, on the way to hell, on the way to the pit of fire. Come on. And we have a seat for him right in here. Why? Because the gospel is important to everyone. Everyone is important to God. And if you're a true believer this morning, everyone should be important to you. Because you're, they're important to God. Everyone is included. No one is left out of the gospel message. No one is left out. No one. Come on. Homosexual. I don't care what you're doing. Murderer. Thief. Liar. I know some people that just can't help but lie. And then admit it too. I just, I can't help it. It's just in me to lie. Well, yeah, you know what? Really, it's in all of us to lie. And the only way some of us don't do it is because the Spirit of God is in us. That conscience helps us. Come on. The grace of God. If not for His grace, and you need to realize that you are no better than anyone else. Come on. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. He has given you a gift of grace. Come on. Everybody is important. Everyone is under God's mighty love and His focus. They're all in His sight. No one can hide 
No one can be missed. There's nowhere you can go. Come on, no matter what you're doing, God sees it and he knows. But here's the thing about it. God's whole point is not to embarrass you. He didn't want to catch you like, the, like they caught that woman in adultery and brought her before Jesus. He's not out just to try to catch you doing something wrong so he can bring you up before people and say, guess what? You know, I'm pregnant and I'm not married and be embarrassed. That's not what he's trying to do. What he's trying to do is catch you in a vulnerable place so that you'll turn to him so that he can love you. Come on, and he can restore you, that you can repent and say, Lord, I don't want this. This is no good for me. I want you. Come on. Everyone is under God's mighty hand and his focus. Listen to Psalm 139, verse 7. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. Guess what? If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. Come on. There your hand shall hold me. Right there your right hand shall guide me. I cannot hide from you because your brightness shines as the day and the darkness are the light. Both are alike to you, but you shine and you dispel the darkness. The light is on, brother. The light is on. Come on. The light. God is near. He's always there when you need him. And guess what? Faith is for everyone. Every single person can be reconciled to God. I know we've had people that we looked at them and said, boy, that person, I, you know what? I just give up. I mean, I've tried for 30 years and they got worse. Now they won't even listen to me. But guess what? Everyone can be reconciled to God. Kings, queens, come on. Prostitutes, writers. Even lawyers. <laughs> Come on. Everyone. Now, if a lawyer, no, anyway. Anyone can be reconciled unto God. Everyone is within God's reach. Everyone's within the reach of his love. Everyone is created for relationship with God. That's why you were made. Come on. Everyone in any situation can respond to God. You never know. You never know. That's why I love that testimony, Kaylin. You never know. Come on. Everyone is capable, no matter what they're doing, no matter what's coming out of their mouth, they're capable of responding to God because God does it, not you. So often we look at ourselves and say, I just don't know what I would say to this guy. Well, guess what? Open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit lead you because the word of the Lord will change them. The word of the Lord. Come on. And guess what? Jesus absolutely loves lost people. Now, I don't know if I can say that for all of us. Come on, a little conviction this morning. I don't know if I can say that for all of us, but he absolutely loves lost people. Look at his ministry. It's what he did. He went to what I call, like to call a Matthew party, right? So him and, him and some of the disciples, Matthew invited him over. There were some disciples there, but guess what? There were some other tax collectors and some drunks and some sinners, and they were looking at him. Well, this man, uh, you know, dwells with sinners. Who does he think he is? Guess what? He's the God of creation, and that's who he came for. He didn't come for the well. Oh, you got it all together. you self-righteous. I'll let you go. But I guess what? I love the sinners because I want to reconcile them. I want to bring them back to me. And Jesus came for a number of reasons, folks. But the main reason and primary reason was to save sinners. Remember, he said, I came to save sinners. 
Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still in sin, we were without strength. In due time, Christ died. Why? For the ungodly. If you felt like you were already godly, then hey, you don't need him. You go on about your business. But if you are ungodly, if you've lied in your life, come on. If you've done some things that weren't altogether above board. If you've been sneaky and mischievous in your life before. Maybe you've stolen some money out of your mother's purse or from a bank or from a liquor store. I don't know what you did. Maybe you sold out a friend. Maybe you said some things that you didn't mean to say. Come on, maybe you struck somebody when you didn't, uh, you, you know it was wrong to do that. Maybe you divorced somebody. Maybe you, I don't know what you did. But whatever it is, Christ came for you. He came for you and for me. And no one person is better than the other. The person who has lived their life flawless or what appears to be flawless, guess what? They need the same grace that the rest of us need. Because guess what? When it's all over, if they have not confessed Jesus like we talked about at the beginning, they're going to hell. I'm just, they're going to be separated from God for eternity. And if you've lived your life, this is not an excuse because there's another side to this now. But if you've lived just a terrible life and all that and you say today, guess what? I just can't take no more. God will take you in and you're going to be with him. Come on. Your name written in that Lamb's book of life. And this other one who's lived a pristine life on the outside, come on, just white on the outside, but on the inside, just dirty. They will not be with God, but you will. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But it's not I that's living. It's, it's, it's Christ that lives in me. And this life that I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith that Jesus put in me. Not this faith that I dredged up. Not because I said I need it 27 times. Not because I confessed 37 times. But because of the faith that God put in me. And all I'm doing is confessing the word that he gave me. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why I live. I don't know why you live, but that's why I live. Paul also told the Galatians in chapter 4, he said, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Now listen to me. If you haven't, I want you to snap back. Sometimes, you know, you start, uh, you know, daydreaming and somebody's talking and you... Now snap back because I want you to hear this part right here. If nothing else, I want you to hear this right here. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, listen to me now, now listen, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Key phrase in, in this scripture, to redeem those who were under the law. Why are you still living by the law? Come on, apostolics. Come on, Baptists. Come on, Methodists. Come on, Catholics. Oh, I might be stepping on some toes, but I'm just telling you what the scripture says. Why are you still living under the law? When he said, I came to redeem you from under the law. I came to take you out of it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom to do what God has called you to do. And if you would do that, if you would give your life to him, guess what? You would be righteous. Because if you step on the side, if you step outside of his grace, he'll let you know. Come on, there'll be some circumstances, but he'll love you right back in and you'll be right there. 
Come on, you have a conscience. Jesus had a clear focus on the lost during his ministry time. Matthew 9, 13, but go and learn what this means, he told him. He said, go and learn what this means. And I believe he's saying that to us today. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Come on. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. There was a variety of lost people. They weren't all just drug addicts. And they weren't all just rich people. It was people from all walks of life. What about Nicodemus? He was intellectual when he came to God. Came to Jesus at night. Come on. Snuck to the Lord in the nighttime under the cover of night just to find out what this thing was all about. Well, guess what? Jesus talked to him too. He said, that's all right. Come to me any kind of way you can. If you want to come to me at night, come to me at night because the light is on. (laughs) I got my light on always. I'm right here to talk to you. And he talked to Nicodemus. Come on. He let him know. Did you know that Nicodemus was one of the men that took him down off the cross and cared for him after it was all over along with Joseph? Come on, Nicodemus was right there at the end. What about the broken woman, the one that, uh, you know, the, she had an alabaster box. Maybe she was a prostitute. She didn't live a very good life, but, you know, Jesus' words touched her and they cut her to the heart. And so she brought this expensive oil and this perfume. And, and then even she even, she cried and she washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Come on. They wore sandals in them, those days, so Jesus had some dirty feet. Come on. But he washed, she washed his feet with her hair and this fragrant oil. She anointed him with it. Broken woman. What about the Samaritan woman? She knew that Jesus wouldn't talk to her because they're two days. It's against the law. Yet he crossed over and talked to her. And then she said, come see a man. You want to see a man? Come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Guess what? Yes, it is. What about Zacchaeus? He climbed up in a tree. See if he could see the Lord. Jesus walking along said, I see you. I see you, Zacchaeus. Come on down because I must eat with you today. This is your day. Back to this woman caught in adultery. What about her? Low life. Come on. Lowest part of life, this woman caught in adultery. What about her? Did Jesus really come for her? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Reminds me of a story of this businessman, this cocky businessman who had went out. He made a lot of money and he bought a, uh, he bought a, a car, a Lexus. And, uh, you know, he had this brand new car, Lexus, and he was zooming through the city. And all of a sudden he was zooming down the street and it seemed like something hit his car. Bam! He said, man, what in the world hit my car? What? What? And he looked over on the side and he saw some kids over there. Saw this little boy over there, and he realized this boy had thrown a brick and hit his car. Man, he pulled that car to a halt. He was upset, got out of that car, went over there, grabbed that boy by his collar, said, what is wrong with you? That is a brand new car. Just bought that thing, and now look at it. You put a dent right in it, throwing a brick at it. You or your dad are going to pay for this thing. Well, the boy, all of a sudden, he looked at him, and he realized the boy was crying. He said, what are you crying for? The boy said, well, sir, I just didn't know what else to do. 
Because you see, my brother is in a wheelchair and he was going over the curb and fell out of his wheelchair. And I, people keep passing by and I try to get somebody to stop and help me to put him back in his chair, but nobody will stop. He's laying here in the gutter. And if I don't get him back in the chair and get him home and get his medicine, he'll die. So I just, I threw the brick and hoping that somebody would stop. And the man was cut to the heart and the boy said, listen, whatever you want to do with me, if you just help me get him back in the chair, whatever you want to do with me, I'll, I'll work it off. You know, you can, you can give me a whooping, you know, you can tell my dad, whatever it is, and I'll, I'll repay you. Well, of course, the man had a lump in his throat and, you know, he, he dried the boy's tears and he got the, his brother up into his wheelchair, you know, and, 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 and wiped off his scrapes and his cuts with his handkerchief, uh, went over to the pup machine, got him a Coke, you know, and uh, he's feeling real bad. And then finally the, the, the older boy said, okay, you know, sir, sir, thank you very much. What is it that, uh, you know, what is it that I can do uh, to repay for your car? He said, he said, go on, son. There's, there's, there's nothing you can do. You know, I, I apologize for what I did. And then the man went on, and guess what? He never did get his car fixed. He left the dent there. Why? To remind him not to go so fast through life that someone needs to throw a brick at you when they need your help. Come on, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Come on, Matthew. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel is being focused on the Lord. It's being focused on what he wants you to do. We can go through life so fast and focus on the things that we want to do that somebody may need to throw a brick to stop us. Come on. You know, thinking about this story of this woman at the well back in John 8, there's some things that I saw here. In verse 6, it says that Jesus bent down. When they, when they brought her to him... This woman, disgraceful, caught in adultery. We caught her in the act. She's supposed to be stoned, killed for this. Threw her down to Jesus. You know what he did? He didn't look down at her and say, the Bible says he bent down, got on her level, started writing in the dirt, right next to her. Jesus bent down. You ever been down so low that you just need Jesus to bend down? To where you are bent down no one was there because he told them you without sin cast the first stone no one was there because they recognized you know what there's really no difference between this woman and me she just got caught but my flesh is the same as her and without his grace I could not make it Recognizing this, they all went away. And Jesus said some words that touched my heart forever. I love this story. He said, woman, and he's saying to you today, where are your accusers? Where are those that accuse you? Think about some things that you've done in your life. God is saying to you today, where are your accusers? I just believe this morning that God wants us all this morning 